So I'm very privileged to be up here. I, I'm very uh, thankful and, and humbled. Uh, the church that pastor allows me to, gave me the opportunity to preach. So Philemon, <clears throat> the title of my message, The Need for Forgiveness. Philemon, <clears throat> let's look at verse 8. I'd say ch- chapter 1, but there's, there's not a chapter in this book. Philemon, verse 8. Says, wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient, yet for love's sake I rather beseech thee, being such an one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me. Whom I have sinned again, thou therefore receive him, that is, mine own bowels. Paul here says, receive mine own, my very heart, my very heart. All right, let's, let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, I love you. I praise you for your goodness to us. Lord, thank you for this church. Thank you for your word and for the opportunity to preach. Lord, please uh, bless this sermon and please use it to your honor and glory and Please help me, Father, to um, preach, uh, to do it justice, Lord. And, and I just pray, Lord, you would receive all glory and honor. Thank you for, for, for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. So forgiveness, forgiveness is so important to the Christian. We, as sinners who are aware of our sinful nature, we desire not to sin, yet we still sin. We, we desire not to offend, but somehow open our big mouths, and sometimes wrong our brother or sister in Christ. We also receive wrong. Uh, Some of us have suffered because of the sins of our friends, um, our family, or others. Some of us have experienced the need for forgiveness within the very walls of the church of God, within this family of believers. How do we deal with hurt and wrong? How do we get to where we... We do suffer gladly for the Lord's sake. How do I get to a point in my walk where I am ready to forgive when I am wronged by someone very close to me? How do I get to where I am sensitive to someone I have wronged? How do I have confidence in others and God, the Father, that they will actually forgive me when I ask? The book of Philemon answers these questions. Uh, A careful study of this book will help you in your walk with the Lord, with your your relationships with your family and friends, uh, with your family in Christ. And uh, the book of Philemon will commend you in your response to others. It will help those who truly desire right relationships, especially with the Lord. If you truly want a right relationship with, with, with someone, study this book. Study this book. Why? Because offenses are going to come. All right? Christ said it. They're, they're, it's, it's, in, it's inevitable. We are sinners. Okay? We're going to do something rash. We're not going to think before we speak. Um, we all have a background. And, we, and so there's a need for forgiveness in every one of our lives. Okay? So let me give some context. I have uh, three points. My three points are... Um, 
and I'm not going to take a, little, a, a lot of time. Uh, my three points are all Paul intercedes on the basis of love, Paul intercedes on the basis of relationship, and Paul imputes for Onesimus. But let me give some context here to this book, all right? Um, Philemon was a dear believer who allowed a church to meet in his house, either in Laodicea or Colossae. He loved the Lord and was full of faith and showed his faith by his works. He loved the believers, served them, sustained them. He was a man of some wealth who used his wealth to uplift the hearts of ministers and laborers who were weary in the Lord's work. His name literally means love. But he wasn't always like that. He didn't always love the Lord until he met a name, a man named Paul. This man told him about the true God. He reasoned with him of sin and of righteousness and a coming judgment. By faith, Philemon turned from his sin, calling on the Lord Jesus Christ to save him, and was gloriously born again, saved. Philemon's life changed forever. Now he had hope. He would never forget the impact Paul had on his life. Years later, Philemon was still devotedly following the Lord Jesus Christ. He had a, a dear wife. Her name was uh, Appia, who was also his sister in Christ. Uh, a man named Archibus, who might have been his son, was the minister preaching and teaching from the church that met in Philemon's house. Philemon had a house, and he allowed this church to meet in his house. Philemon also owned at least one servant named Onesimus. Doubtless, this family poured their love into Onesimus as best they could, exhorting and testifying of the grace of God to save his soul. Slavery at this time in the Roman period, it, it permeated society. It, was, it, it wasn't like America where it was north and south. It, it, was, it permeated society. It was a little different than here, too. Besides manual labor, slaves were pro professionals like you and I. Slaves could, could be soldiers. They could be doctors. They could be teachers. They could be accountants. They could be musicians. Uh, slaves became slaves in many different ways. Uh, they could be provided with good pay and even earn their freedom, purchasing their own liberty. Life as a slave was still hard, and freedom was precious. Uh, though One Onesimus... Uh, meant profitable. His name meant profitable. Though his name meant profitable, he was hardly that. He proved himself to be a thief and a robber, possibly squandering his master's money or possessions on his way to Rome, a city over 900 miles away in which he could hide or turn over a new leaf. No doubt his sin weighed heavily on his conscience as he remembered the love and kindness shown unto him by his master's family. If caught as a fugitive runaway slave, he could face, at the very least, being branded with a hot iron with the letter F for, for fugitive slave on his, uh, on his forehead, or, at the very worst, execution. While in Rome, though, think about this, God had his eye on reconciling Onesimus unto himself, leading him providentially by God's sovereignty to the very same man that had led his master to Christ many years be, be, before. God led Onesimus somehow to the Roman prison where Paul was being held captive, awaiting trial for nothing more than being a Christian 
and worshiping God according to the dictates of his own conscience. Here in prison, the freeborn captive told the fugitive runaway servant of the glorious message of the true God who was able to wash all his sins away. Paul told young Onesimus of the law that showed his sin and himself a sinner. He told him of his guilt before a holy and righteous and just God and of the penalty for sin in the lake of fire. Paul reasoned with him of the same God who sent his only son to live a perfect life and fulfill the law that was against him. He told Onesimus of the sacrificial death on a cross. This man, Jesus, being forsaken by his countrymen, his friends and family. And of finally God turning his back on his only son and placing the sin of the world upon him. He, he who knew no sin became sin for Onesimus. The perfect sacrifice that would allow God to look on him as righteous. If he only received his righteousness by repentance and faith alone. Thus, Onesimus was born to the family of God, with Paul becoming his brother and father in the faith. And over a short period of time, Paul observed Onesimus grow in the faith as Paul suffered in prison. When Paul was in need, Onesimus was there to serve him and minister to him. There was no job too small for Onesimus to humbly accomplish. When Paul was teaching and preaching to all that came to him, Onesimus was there, hearing and learning the truths of the Word of God. Onesimus quickly became very dear to Paul, as his own heart, as a precious son born out of due season. Paul's desire for this young man was to, was to present him as a holy vessel unto the Lord, just like Brother Daniel preached this morning. He wanted this young man to be used by God and to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ with all of his life. Although Paul knew he needed him with him, and that he himself would suffer more without him, ministering unto him, Paul realized Onesimus had to return to his master to fulfill the scriptures. For you see, Paul was writing letters to different churches at this time. Um, he, was writing, he was writing letters to uh, three, three different churches while in prison. He had written unto the church at Ephesus, exhorting servants to be obedient to them that are your masters, as unto Christ. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4 real quick. Again, I'm just laying the context. Ephesians chapter 4. Or is it 5? Ephesians chapter 6, excuse me. I didn't plan on, on looking at this, but we, we might as well. Ephesians chapter 6, it says in, in verse 5, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, and singleness of your heart, as unto Christ. Look at verse, look at verse, verse 7. With good will doing service as to the Lord. And not to men. You see, Paul wrote this to the Ephesian church. And here Paul is uh, with someone else's servant. Paul had written these, these letters. And he, he, wrote that, he wrote that servants should serve their, their masters as they would serve Christ out of, out of goodwill. Onesimus had to go back. He had to. 
He had to face his master, Philemon. It would take courage on the part of Onesimus. As Paul thought of God's providence and sovereignty, he saw further how God could receive glory with Onesimus' return. Onesimus was from Colossae. Look at Colossians. Colossians. Again, I'm, I'm laying the framework here. Look at Colossians chapter 4 and verse 9. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 9. Actually, let's, let's look at verse 8. Uh, Whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose that he might know your estate and comfort your heart. Speaking of Tychicus in verse 7. Look at verse 9. With Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you. They shall make known unto you all things which are done here. Okay? Onesimus, he had to go back. But Paul saw God's providence and his sovereignty. He saw how God could receive glory with Onesimus' return. Onesimus was from Colossae. He was one of them. What a joy it would be to the church there to see the fruit of their prayers give testimony of the power of the gospel to change his life. What glory and honor it would, it would bring to the name of Christ to see a once unprofitable servant like Onesimus testify as to how God had changed his life and converted him. Although still a servant, Onesimus could bear witness to his newfound satisfaction and contentment in Christ to both free and bondmen in the church at Colossae. There was both. Paul coveted the prayers of God's people praying for him in prison and knew this was the way for Onesimus. This would bring glory to God. Paul knew he needed to write one last letter to his dear brother, Philemon, to send out with Onesimus and Tychicus before they left to return to Colossae. This letter would be a masterpiece of guileless diplomacy without guile. Unbelievable tact. Irresistible logic. Although Paul was absolutely confident in Philemon's response, he loved Philemon so highly. Think about this. Paul loved Philemon so highly that he dared not manipulate Philemon's reaction or seek control of how, re- he, of how he received his own servant. Paul would write, beseeching Philemon to receive Onesimus as himself and leave it at that. As Paul wrote, God breathed, God inspired, and the Holy Spirit superintended the very words that he wrote. This letter, this letter, Philemon, the, the, this personal letter to Philemon, would be inspired and preserved and added to the New Testament for billions and billions of people to read and draw closer to, to God from, including us. Intertwined within this letter is one of the most beautiful illustrations of forgiveness and imputation the world has ever seen and read. Okay? So that's the context of this, of, of this book. Let's, let's apply it. Let's apply it. Okay? There's 25 verses in this short letter. So I have got 25 points. All right? We're going to go over. I'm just kidding. We're just going to look at three of them. Okay? But I, there's 25 verses. There is at least 50 uh, applications. There's at least 50 points you could get from here. Um, this book, studying this week, it was just, it was almost, it was almost 
uh, over, it, it was overwhelming. It was absolutely overwhelming, all right? Um, so let's just look at three points. Let's look at, uh, so my first point is Paul intercedes on the basis of love. Look at verses 8 and 9. Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient, yet for love's sake I rather beseech thee, being such an one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Paul here, he could have enjoined Philemon. He could have commanded Philemon to forgive Onesimus. Why? Because it was the right thing to do. But he doesn't choose that way. Um, I mean, after all, Paul is what? He's the apostle to the Gentiles, okay? Um, he, is, he was instrumental in Philemon's salvation. But Paul begs for Philemon to receive Onesimus based upon love. Ultimately, Philemon's love for God and Paul uh, was faithfully serving God in prison for, for Jesus' sake. Um, what I mean by that is Paul begs for Philemon to receive Onesimus based upon love. Um, what do I mean by that? Let me think about that. Ultimately, Philemon's love for God and Paul is faithfully serving God in prison for Jesus. So, so, so uh, if, you, if you think about it, Philemon, I mean, this is the man that led him to Christ. And this man is suffering in prison, okay? In verse, verse 9, he, he is a prisoner of Jesus Christ. In fact, Paul brings this up five times within the whole book, that he's a prisoner of Jesus Christ, that he's suffering for Jesus' sake. And, and Paul, by the way, he was glad to suffer for Christ's sake. In fact, it, it, he counted it all joy that he could, that he was account, counted worthy to suffer for Jesus' sake. So, uh, Paul begs for, for Philemon to receive Onesimus based on love. What kind of love? It was Philemon's, ultimately it was Philemon's love for God. Why? Because God was the one that saved him. God was the one that sent Paul to Philemon. And so any love that Philemon had for Paul was actually, was, it centered upon Philemon's love for God. Okay? It was for Jesus' sake. It was Philemon's love for God, but it was also Philemon's love for Paul, an older man, an aged man. Um, there's a lot to say about aged men, but uh, especially aged men in a church, in a godly church. Uh, all that they've been through, all that they've seen. Uh, there needs to be love for aged men in a church, especially, especially ones who are, who are in a faithful church. All right? What about Paul's love for Philemon and Onesimus? That's why he was writing this, this letter. And, 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 and it's interesting, this is a message on forgiveness, but we don't actually see Onesimus asking forgiveness from Philemon. It's all by uh, imputation. It's all uh, Paul going to, to Philemon through this, through, through this letter and asking for, 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 for forgiveness for Philemon to receive uh, Onesimus. Philemon sees Paul's name as he first opens the letter. Now, I want you to think about this. Philemon, he has this letter. He goes, or I'm sorry, Onesimus, he receives the letter from Paul. I'm, I'm going to get names mixed up in this sermon just to let you, you know, okay? Uh, Onesimus, he takes this letter. He goes to, he goes to Philemon. 
Maybe he knocks on the, on the door. Philemon, he opens the door. I cannot imagine what Philemon thought as he, seen, as he saw Onesimus, the man that stolen from him, robbed him, and ran away from him. And perhaps Onesimus hands him a letter. And he opens the, the letter. And the first, the first words he sees is Paul. He hasn't, he, he hasn't received communi- communi- communication from Paul. He's, he's heard about him. He's heard about what he's up to. But he, he, they don't know what's going on. But they, he sees Paul. And immediately, his, and immediately his attitude changes. Okay, why? Because he loved Paul. He loved Paul. And Paul here, he beseeches for Onesimus' sake, for, for love's sake. Okay? He sees Paul. And then also he sees what? A prisoner of Jesus Christ. I mean, just just the the heart, any hardness in his heart would immediately melt towards Onesimus for all that Paul for all that Paul was doing for Christ. Um, then and then uh, we 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 too think about this. We too can forgive anything when we focus on the one who who so suffered in our stead, Christ. The perfect Lamb of God, a, a man who, who was innocent, suffered for us, for our wrongdoing, for our sin. Um, what can't we forgive, knowing if we focus on him? He ever lives for us, but, but willingly died in our place. Now think about this. Love is irresistibly persuasive. All right? Irresistibly persuasive. So that's point number one. Point number two, verses 10 through 14, Paul intercedes on the basis of relationship. Um, look at verse, verse 10. I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me. Kind of a play on words. Whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive him, that is, mine own bowels. My, my very heart, whom I would have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. But without thy mind would I do nothing, that thy benefit should not be, as it were, of necessity, but willingly. Paul asked Philemon to forgive Onesimus, because he was a son to him, and dear to his heart. Rejecting Onesimus would have been the same as rejecting the heart of Paul. It would, have, it would have pained uh, Philemon to, to reject Onesimus because he, because he read here that Onesimus was the very heart of Paul. Paul does everything in his power to show that Onesimus is a, is a, a brother in the faith. Brothers have special privileges that servants do not. Um, Brothers forgive. Now, hear me. I know some, sometimes the hardest people to forgive are sometimes your siblings. But think of Esau and Jacob. Esau and Jacob. Um, you know, the, the, the deception, uh, the despising of the birthright, the hatred, uh, Jacob having to flee. And then Jacob uh, having his wives and his children and being commanded to go back and return and the, the struggle of faith that Jacob went through and Esau coming to him with an army but then God miraculously working and softening, softening Esau's heart 
and then when they met, they wept on each other's on each other's uh, shoulders. I think of Joseph and and his his uh, brothers. And uh, ha- after Joseph's father died, um, Joseph's brothers they say, "Well, now now that Dad's dead, I mean, he's going to take vengeance on us. He, I mean, he's going to come down hard." But Joseph didn't do that. His brothers came came to him and said, "We be thy servants." And Joseph called them, my brethren, my brethren, okay? Uh, brothers forgive. Brothers love each other. They have each other's backs and also put up with one another. Paul admits his great need for Onesimus and how Onesimus' service to Paul would be fruit to Philemon's account in verse uh, 14. Um, I'm sorry, in verse 13, it says that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. And Paul could have taken that liberty, but he, he couldn't. To keep Onesimus without first sending him back would have been an injustice to Philemon, forcing Philemon to agree to Paul's decision. Philemon's decision concerning his servants must be made out of, out of a spontaneous free will. Forgiveness has to be spontaneous. It has to be made with a free will. It cannot be forced. Paul relayed the same principle in, when, uh, concerning giving in 2 Corinthians 9-7. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity. Necessity. For God loved the cheerful, cheerful giver. It had to be a free will offering. Okay? Forgiveness from Philemon to Onesimus had to be a free will offering, uh, starting from the heart of Philemon. And that's what Paul hoped for. Okay? God also, he gives us freedom to spontaneously give, to spontaneously forgive others that wrong us. And also, think about this. He gives us free access to himself to find forgiveness when we sin. Out of love for us, God does not force us to obey in this, but God greatly desires it. He wants us to forgive. He wants us to come to him. He wants us to come to him whenever we have a need. We, we can boldly approach the throne of grace that we may, that we may obtain mercy in the time of, in the time of need. Um, Paul releases himself also of control of the situation. He trusts God to work on the heart of Philemon, on his knees, praying for a good outcome. When Paul hands that letter off, he's released himself of all control. He has no control. There's no manipulation. When we truly seek good for another, we must also divorce ourselves from control of the situation. We take every precaution to avoid manipulation and question our motives. Listen, question your motives when it comes to helping brethren in need, when it comes to forgiving. Make sure that you're doing it out of, out of love, out of a relationship. Listen, we're brothers in Christ. That should mean something. That should absolutely change the way we operate. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and we need to take every precaution to avoid manipulation, to avoid trying to control another person's forgiveness, to to try to control each other 
It must be a free will. Free will. Paul frees himself, himself of any manipulation over Philemon. Philemon must be free to choose. Unselfish love cannot be withstood. Think about that. Unselfish love. Paul was absolutely unselfish in this. It cannot be withstood. The peacemaker must not manipulate. Philemon was the victim, after all. Uh, I know in this day and age, everybody's a victim. Everybody wants to be a victim, all right? Victim mentality. But there are still victims, okay? There are still people who need to be given the right to choose how to respond. And Paul does that. Paul treats this so wisely. Paul besought Philemon, and he left it at that. God had to work in his heart. And Paul had absolute confidence that God had Philemon's heart, that God would work it out. Okay, so that's Paul imputing on the basis of re- relationship. He, he did everything in his power to get Philemon to see, listen, not a servant, but a brother. A brother. My son in the faith. That should cause us to think differently about each other. And, la- and lastly, Paul imputes for Onesimus. Look at verses 17 through 19. If thou count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself. If he hath wronged thee or oweth thee aught, put that on mine account. I, Paul, have written it with mine own hand. I will repay it. Albeit I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me even thine own self besides. Paul asked Philemon to think of him as a partner, a companion who, who reckons the other's affairs and interests as their own. A companion to Paul the Apostle. Think of that. A partner with Paul the Apostle. What, a, what an honor for Philemon. Uh, a, 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 um, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Paul says, I, I count you a partner. A partner in my suffering. A partner in the sufferings of Christ. Paul asked Philemon to share in his suffering that Paul might share in Philemon's that Onesimus might be spared. Think about that. What a great picture and and what what great symbolism of of what Christ does for us. That's why we can go to God. That's why we can approach God. It's because of Christ's imputation. Okay? uh, Christ suffered for us. He imputes our sin and wrong unto himself that he may impute his righteousness unto us. Sometimes, Christ asks us also to share in suffering for his sake. I was thinking of the the verse, all that will live, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, shall suffer persecution. All right? It's a a badge of honor. It's it's glorious. It brings glory to God to suffer when, when you don't do wrong, when you do right, and to suffer for it. God also imputes righteousness to us when we believe in Jesus Christ. I think of the verse where the Bible says, Abraham believed God and it was counted or it was imputed to him for righteousness. We can be forgiven because of Christ's perfect life and sacrifice. Paul, listen, think about this in verse, uh, in verse 19. Paul takes the pen from the scribe's hand and writes with his own mangled hand, I will repay it. 
maybe as Philemon was reading this letter, he sees he, he sees the beautiful uh, ma- manuscript cursive of of Luke. Okay, Luke, or uh, maybe it was Onesimus that wrote it. But when he gets to this part right here, he notices that the writing is different. It's different. It's not. It's not Luke's. It's not the the transcribers. It's not the penman's writing. It's it's a suffering writing. It's Paul's writing. I, Paul, have written it with my own hand. Paul takes the pen. Give me the pen, Luke. And he writes, I will repay it. I just think that's so beautiful. That Paul, he imputes four Philemon's. Four Philemon, four Onesimus. <laughs> Two Philemon. Paul, a freeborn prisoner. He, he, was, he was a Roman. He was, he was freeborn, but a prisoner for Christ. He willingly, he willingly becomes a bondsman. For who? A slave? For a slave. Isn't, isn't that beautiful? Isn't that what we need in the Lord Jesus Christ? We also uh, need, we needed someone, we needed an advocate, we needed somebody who could impute for us, who could give us his righteousness so we could approach unto God. If you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus Christ, I, I encourage you, I, I beseech you to be reconciled unto God, to uh, to see the law that you've broken, to, to understand the judgment that is to come. It's not a judgment that you can even handle, that you can even fathom. It's the wrath of God. And you can save yourself from the wrath of God by running to God, to Christ, because he's already paid the price. Paul says, I will repay it. But Christ already paid for it 2,000 years ago. When he lived a perfect life, he satisfied the law. And he willingly gave up his life upon the cross and suffered and died on a, on a, on a, a cruel death. Suffered for our sins. God turned, his, God turned his back on his only begotten son. Christ cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He really meant it when he cried that out. He meant that. Christ, or God, turned his back on his only son for you. His only son. So in conclusion, I I encourage you to be saved if you're not saved. And dear Christian, who, who in your life right now needs your forgiveness? Who in your life right now uh, do you need to go to and, and talk to? Or maybe it's, Maybe God is the one that you need to talk to. I encourage you to make it right. This letter is beautiful. I encourage you to study this book. There's so much here. We go on for hours, hours, and study this book. Brother Daniel, you want to come and close for us, sir?